0: This is Luke four thirty-eight through 42. Hear God's word. And Jesus arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Simon, who was called Peter. Now Simon Peter's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them, and he would not allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving Uh, kept him from leaving him but he said I must go to the other places of Israel for that is the reason I was sent to preach the kingdom the word of the Lord maybe you're familiar with this tale it's one of uh, the movies uh, all-time greatest movies uh, in United States history in American culture in fact one of the most beloved books it was uh, produced as a film in 1939 Uh, And it's the story called The Wizard of Oz. You remember that you have Dorothy and Toto who are living in nowhere, Kansas. And you see the effects of the Great Depression, the dust bowl, if you will. The things they're dealing with. And Dorothy and Toto are taken into a cyclone where they land uh, on the Wicked Witch of the West, is it? I can't remember. In the mythical Munchkin land, the world of Oz. Dorothy, a young girl, proceeds to miss her family. She wants to get back to Auntie Em and tries to figure out how to do that and is told to follow the yellow brick road. And if she follows the yellow brick road, she will get to the Emerald City and there she will meet a great and powerful man, the Wizard of Oz, who has the ability to grant every one of her wishes. And so Dorothy embarks, Judy Garland skipping along the yellow bricks, And proceeds to pick up a very interesting motley crew of other characters with their own problems. The scarecrow who needs a brain. The tin woodsman who needs a heart. And of course, the cowardly lion that needs courage. (laughs) That was a pretty good... This is a tough crowd, I can already tell. It's going to be a long one. Come on, people. My voice is struggling here. By the way, if I look particularly hideous to you... Uh, I I had a wonderful meeting with the basketball uh, floor trying to go up for a rebound where I proceeded to smash my nose. Uh, It is not broken, but if my sallow texture and my beady eyes, if they're looking more pronounced, you know why. So I'm I'm up here uh, playing with pain, if you will, for you people. So the reason I bring up the Wizard of Oz is I think it's a great analogy or story of humanity. We're people, in a sense, that have kind of gotten lost. We're in a world we don't exactly understand, trying to get back to the world that we think is right and safe and true, and we're on this journey through a strange place. And lo and behold, there's a host of other people just like us that have their own particular problems. They've lost courage. Maybe they uh, have difficulty understanding. need a brain they don't quite have the ability to track and figure out what's going on maybe they've lost heart they don't have the ability to feel they don't care anymore they actually want to love and be loved and so they're on this mythical journey it's no mistake that this movie won the best original song Oscar for somewhere over the rainbow remember that song someday over the rainbow skies are blue and the dreams that you dare to dream really do come true somewhere over the rainbow way up high there's a land that I heard of once in a lullaby this song is all about uh, excuse me This scripture like the song is all about the search for home the search for safety the search for understanding the search for what the Bible would call shalom we're looking for someone and we're all broken or busted in some short sort of way. So where should we go? As we know in the story of the Wizard of Oz, they finally get to the great and powerful Oz, right? But he's a charlatan. He's a trickster. He has a couple of tricks up his sleeve, but he's a normal guy. And so he gives them some sort of solution, if one would call them that. And so the question is, What's our yellow brick road, and who's at the end of it? I want to contrast the story of what we're seeing here in the scriptures with Jesus with that of the Wizard of Oz, because we see a host of broken people in this story. We see people who are searching, people who are presenting themselves to someone. How does Christ react? It's important that we understand the difference between the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and that of Jesus. The Wizard of Oz is just a man, but Jesus is the life giver. And whatever you bring to Jesus, from it he brings life. So we must do three things. Number one, we must bring those that we love to Christ. Those around us who are hurting those around us who we care for. We must bring them down this yellow brick road, not to the people of the world, but to Christ. Number one, we must bring those who we love to Christ. Number two, we must bring what we have to Christ. We must present it as its as, uh, His feet. And finally, we must bring the whole world to Christ because Jesus is the life giver. And whatever you choose to bring to Jesus from it, Jesus will bring life well let's look at these three points number one to bring those whom you love verse 38 we see he arose this is Jesus remember after healing uh, the the spirit-possessed man he exercises this demon and he leaves the synagogue and he enters the, the house of Simon Peter now archaeological excavations and tradition have told us that Peter's house is extremely close to the synagogue there In fact, I was talking to a friend of mine who had just come back from Israel, and he says, I was just there. He said, this is one of the shells I picked up in front of Peter's house. And so right here is a a powerful relic that can cure all host of different things if you put it in your cheek. It will be for sale after this uh, sermon. Now, these are real places. They literally step out of the synagogue, walk over to the house of Peter, and lo and behold... Peter's mother in law is there. Now, we know from this that Peter was married. That tradition tells us that Peter had children. So they're going over here to get a meal or to do something as Jewish hospitality would command. And as they enter into the house, we see that Simon's mother in law was ill with a high fever. It wasn't just a fever, if you look at the Greek, it was a high fever, it was a severe fever. I've been sick all week and I've been miserable, but I haven't really been in any danger. Back then, there are some danger points. High fever is one of them, if you can't get that fever down. So there is, is, uh, the danger level is high here. People die from these type of things. And so this woman is in bed somewhere in the house, and we see that they appeal to him on her behalf. Whoever they is, I assume it's the family of Simon Peter. Now why did they appeal to Jesus? Well, they knew Him. They knew what He could do. They knew His power. But they also knew His love and the affection that He had shown them. That He really cared for them. He he treated them in such a way. And so it made sense to them. They They would bring to Him the one that they loved. That they would bring Him up. Because to care about someone is to care about the things they care about. And so implicitly, Peter is saying, God, I know that you love me. I know you care about my family and my life. And look, my mother-in-law is sick. Is there anything that you can do? They brought her to Jesus because he cares. And they brought her to Jesus because he can. Verse 39, And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her... And immediately she rose and began to serve them. He stood over her. It means he walks over to where she is. They they sleep on a mat. They don't sleep on a bed. He goes over to her. And what does he do? He rebukes the fever. And it leaves her. This word rebuke in the Greek is very interesting. It's a, a monetary term. It means to assign value. So to rebuke the fever, he assigned it a value. It had a very high value before Jesus walked in there right okay there's a huge problem my mother-in-law is sick it's not getting better something could go wrong Jesus simply comes along and assigns it a new value and that new value is nothing no problem at all he just changed the numbers just like that and lo and behold it immediately leaves her now notice we see that Jesus has power over the spiritual world over evil and over darkness but this is not a healing of a demonic nature otherwise it would have said that this demon went out of her rather he rebukes the fever he rebukes nature much like he did to the wind and the waves right I assign you a value of zero be still and the water was calm immediately it occurs as nature responds to the creator's voice whether spiritual or material he can do it all he can he cares and he loves for you see in verse 40 now when the Sun was setting all of those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them they must have somehow heard what he did to Peter's mom and they did what anyone else would do they brought the people that they cared for, that they couldn't do anything about, and they brought Him before Jesus. Not even thinking about being an imposition or how rude it might be, they brought Him because they knew He cared and He could do something. And with all of their various diseases and maladies, they brought them to Him. And it says that He laid hands on each one of them. Think about that. It wasn't one of these sort of hand miracle type things, was it? Having a conversation, you're talking with someone, here comes someone new. Excuse me for a second. Praise over them, lays hands, heals them. Again and again and again. Can you see the line extending throughout the night as Jesus lays hands on each one of them? It's very interesting if you look through the Bible how much the healing of someone is associated with the love of the other person that brought them. Paralytic on the mat, remember? all this trouble digging through the roof they bring their friend who's paralyzed and when he saw their faith he turned them in and said you're healed see the love that you have for someone else touches the Lord because it's, it's in microcosm the love that God has for other people in many ways you're just like Jesus when you bring someone that you love to the feet of Jesus Christ it's a sacrificial love if you will And so somehow the love that you have for that person is affecting the love that God has for them. Now we have to ask the question about these. What about those who were not healed? We hear this fantastic story and we can easily draw the conclusion, well, it's simple. If somebody is sick, bring them to Jesus through prayer, through something, and they will go ahead and be fixed. But you know, there are plenty of people that Jesus walked by and did not heal. The other thing I know about every single person that Jesus healed that night, they all died. None of them are living together today on this earth. You see, these miracles that Jesus is doing are a foretaste. They're not the finality. Jesus did not come to rehabilitate the earth like a mechanic coming back to fix some faulty part on his creation. Rather, Jesus came not to rehabilitate, but to inaugurate to demonstrate the kingdom that has come, to start a healing that begins from within, to bring life from within. See, when you bring someone or something to Jesus, He brings life from it. I, of all people, should understand this. I don't know how many times my wife and I prayed for our son's safety. 10,000 maybe? I mean, think of how many times for your children, just in passing, you pray for their safety. There was a tremendous amount of prayer over the course of my son's life. And yet, if in a simplistic term, we simply did a formula, it would make sense that he would still be alive today. But Jesus did not come to rehabilitate humanity, but to inaugurate a new kingdom. Even within the tragedy of my son's death, I see life springing up from it everywhere. Had a conversation even this week with someone who has been on a journey to follow Christ, to find Christ because of seeing Mark's life, who has come to Christ because of that seed that fell to the ground. If my perspective is simply right here and right now, I am a doomed man. But we are immortal for good or for bad. In heaven or in hell, life shall continue, and when we look back upon it, it will be as if a blip. And so God heard those prayers, and He brought life from death when He resurrected my son, when He was born again at a young age, and in His death when He brought life. And He is alive now. Don't think that life is simply here life comes from death and Jesus is the life bringer so whatever it is you bring to Jesus he brings from it life whether in this world or the next because your heart and your love have the power to sway the heart of God some of you know of Scott Hamilton the regional director of Young Life who uh, went down probably about I don't know two weeks ago Scott uh, shares an office with me and uh, he's a runner he had had some heart issues and he had had some heart surgery done in uh, New York about six months ago while he was running on his treadmill and uh, he collapsed and went down and uh, they performed CPR his wife found him uh, it took quite a it took a while for the, uh, the you know the ambulance to get him to bring him over to they had to jump his heart he had not had oxygen to his brain when I got there that night, everything looked like he's done. He's on tubes, they're keeping him alive. You know, the, 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 everything I was hearing was, this man is a goner. But we knew that God has his hand on Scott. And so we brought Scott, the people who were there, to the Lord right away. As the doctors worked on him. Lord, whatever you're doing in this situation... We know that you love Scott, and we love him, and so we bring him to you. Do something amazing. He could have passed right then and there. He could have passed to heaven. The message of his life going out, God using it in some way that we don't understand. But God has chosen another path for Scott. In a miraculous way, Scott is still alive and improving. He's gone from, this man is gone to tracking and following, laughing, being able to feel pain and sensation. God has him on a death to life journey that I've, I've never seen anything like it before. He does have some brain damage, they know that, but it shouldn't affect his ability to come back God willing. The important thing, and I'm so thankful for Michelle, his wife, who from the beginning said all that we can do is bring Scott to you, Lord. He's yours in the beginning, and we give him to you. For better or worse, God, whatever that means. Jesus is the life giver. And whatever you bring to Jesus, from it, he brings life. So you and me, my friends, we have an awesome privilege. If you are a Christian, you have the ability to bring someone before the throne of God. If you know Jesus, if you have claimed Him as your Lord and Savior, and He claims you as your child, as His child, He loves you. And because He cares about you, He cares about the things that you care about. And so you must recognize your role, and your responsibility. What is it that you can bring before Christ? Who in your specific world, maybe they are sick, It's a friend. It's a family member. It's chronic. It's acute. It's something they can deal with. It's something they can't figure out. But it's someone who desperately needs to be before the throne. Maybe it's people who are in a broken situation. The problem isn't simply physical. It's much deeper than that. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's emotional. It is years and years of neglect and abuse. Maybe it's a hopeless situation. Who are the people in your world just like they were in Peter's life just like where they were in those other people's life that you can bring you must recognize your role that you can bring them through praying to God through bringing them here to hear the gospel you have the ability in the same way to bring them before the Lord of the universe he said it's for your own good that I'm going away because if I do I will be in you because I will go up to heaven and give you my spirit. I hear you. We must recognize our role and we must recognize His rule. Jesus has the power to assign a new value to everything in anyone's life. I was telling Michelle, it it really doesn't matter what the odds are because Jesus is the Lord over the odds. Jesus will take someone that's on the doorstep of death, even in death, and bring them alive. Or he'll bring it from the other way as well, from 10 to 0, from 0 to 10. We bring people to situations where we think that someone can do something about them. Examine your prayer life and examine your life of integrating and bringing people to church or before the gospel and I will tell you your confidence in God's ability to do something in their life. Because we bring them to something, someone who can do something about. We must recognize your role, you must recognize his rule, and finally we must trust his results. Your job is to bring them to be faithful to whatever it is that He's telling you to do. But we're not always going to see the outcome in this life. We have to trust the future. That friend we prayed for, for all of those times and she ended up dying. Or we don't understand where they were with Jesus Christ when they died and we prayed and we prayed and we hoped. We must trust God's character that He loves the things that we love. We must trust his rule and we must walk in our role because Jesus is the life giver and whatever we bring to Jesus, from it he brings life. This brings me to my second point. If we bring those that we love to Christ, we must also bring what we have to Christ. Notice in verse 39, and he stood over her, Jesus, and rebuked the fever and it left her and immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now, I think to myself, there are a lot of different responses that I've seen when Jesus heals someone. A lot of different things that this woman could have done, right? She could have run right across the street to the synagogue. Hold everything, people. I want to testify to what God has done in my life. I was on the ground and now I'm up. She could have witnessed. She could have worshipped. She could have gone to the synagogue and praised and, and just talked to God and praised Him. But instead, she does something different. She gets up and begins to serve. It often happens, by the way, in the scriptures, Jesus will tell people to do something and they'll go do it, and then they never come back. He heals these ten lepers. These ten lepers are on the hill, and he says, Go show yourselves to the priests. And they do, and as they went, they were healed.